Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ezra chapter two called Going Home. Let me just read a comment by Dr. J. Vernon McGee. He pauses here in a short commentary of Ezra chapter 2 and says, You will remember that in Jeremiah's day, the weeping prophet who saw the uh, captivity occur, in Jeremiah's day, the people were on the verge of being carried away into captivity. Uh, I would not call his purchase of some land at that time a good investment in real estate, would you? But he bought land in Anathoth. When Jeremiah bought the land, it did not look as though Israel had a future, but God had him buy the land as a sign that Judah would be restored. Jeremiah's act of this purchase was one of faith. God promised that his people would return to the land, and they did. And the the men of Anathoth, verse 23, had a sealed lawful claim to the land because Jeremiah had purchased it and given it to them. Reading from the commentary. They were going back to claim their possessions. You can read about this story in Jeremiah 32, especially verses 1 through 18. Jeremiah made a purchase of land in the midst of knowing that the people would go away into a 70-year captivity. And someone would say, why would you buy the land? Why even bother? You won't see it. But Jeremiah bought it in faith as an act of saying, we'll be back. As ugly as this scene is now, we'll be back. And boy, that resonates with my heart right now. We'll be back. We're coming home. Now the list of names continues in verse 24. I've just paused giving you the ones according to their cities. And you can see, like in verse 28, you have the men of Bethel and Ai. These are cities, 223. You have the sons of Nebo, He starred in that fish movie. (sighs) Nothing. Uh, 52. (laughs) Anyway, you can see uh, down in verse 33, the sons of Lod, Hadid, and Ono. This guy refused to do anything. Anyway, 725 returned from there. You have Jericho listed there, 345, and Sanaa, the last city there, 3,630. Now, continuing with the helicopter view and giving you headings, In verses 26 through 39, you have the total number of priests that are given. When they are counted up, their number is 4,289. The priests represent about 10% of the people who return to the land under this first wave. The the priests, the sons of Jediah, of the house of Jeshua, 973, and you can read the rest there. Verses 40 through 42 list Levites in different roles. In verse 40, you have the Levites, the sons of Jeshua and Kedmiel, and the number is there. The Levites assisted the priests, just so you know, in the temple and in the teaching of the people uh, of the law. You can see this in Nehemiah 8, 7 through 9. According to 1 Chronicles 23, 4, reading from a study Bible, 24,000 or more Levites were involved in the worship of God during the time of David. And here, only 74 are listed as returning. This means a very small number returned. 
The singers, the sons of Asaph, also returned, and they were also Levites. And the sons of Asaph will be familiar to those of you who have read through the Psalms. There were 128 of them, and they went back to the land. And if you want a cross-reference, David spoke to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their relatives the singers. First Chronicles 15, 16, with instruments of music, harps, lyres, loud-sounding cymbals to raise sounds of joy. And so the Levites appointed Haman, the son of Joel, and from his relatives, Asaph, the son of Berechiah. And you can read from there. If you want the whole section, First Chronicles 15, 14 through 19, singing is part of our worship. Way back to the book of First Chronicles, way back to the time of David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And they would sing and they would praise and they would celebrate and they would use resounding cymbals and ancient guitars and they would praise the Lord. By the way, there's no record of a piano back in that day. It was guitars and drums, as much as that might be to the chagrin of some. <laughs> I remember some years ago, I first had become a Christian. I was in a church where they transitioned from hymnals and only organ music to a praise team, and I was the drummer. And I remember the looks that I would get as I would walk into the first service on a Sunday morning in this little chapel that didn't have the best acoustics and I was the drummer and I was trying to play respectfully and sometimes I would get these looks like, yeah, you're the, the drummer, the dreaded drummer. But do you know, drums are biblical, cymbals are biblical, guitars are biblical, choirs and singers are biblical. Praise ye the Lord. And man, when we come back, we should come back ready to rejoice on Pentecost Sunday, the day that celebrates when the church was born and come ready to praise. Man, we are sometimes a little too reserved. We have much to celebrate. We're going home. And you know, when we get to heaven, there is going to be praise like you ain't never heard before. So get ready. Now, there were the sons of the gatekeepers, 42, the sons of Shalom, Shalom. Uh, the gatekeepers were those who obviously kept guard. 139 of them here at the end of the verse. They returned with Zerubbabel. During the time of Solomon, there were 4,000 who guarded the temple as gatekeepers. 1 Chronicles 23, 5. In verses 43 through 58, you have temple servants, also known as the Nethanim, or the given ones or the dedicated ones. You can reference 1 Chronicles 9.2. They are distinguished from priests and Levites. They are considered perhaps an Old Testament kind of deacon or maybe like the ushers or the setup team. They're the faithful people who get everything going and make sure everything's taken care of. And boy, how we appreciate all the servants that are part of Living Truth. We did a servant dinner and we had hundreds of you there. Wasn't that a fun night? Do you remember when we did the little dance? Thank you for being the friend. Pastor Michael was up there. If you weren't there that night, I did my, man, my best. To, I did a little lip syncing and we did a little dance. Wasn't that fun? And all the servants of Living Truth are there. May your tribe multiply. We're going to need all hands on deck when we come back. And it's awesome to see this list of temple servants, verse 43. There they are, all named. In 55, some of them are called Solomon's servants. Solomon had hired some Canaanite people groups to help build the temple, 1 Kings 5.13. And there were still people around that were called Solomon's servants. 
And all the way down to verse 58, all the temple servants and the sons of Solomon's servants counted together all seemed to have the same uh, desire and gifting, 392. As we move rapidly, in verses 59 through 63, we have a list of people who could not prove their Jewish ancestry. And so they didn't have their genealogical records. And uh, the names are here. And so they, these searched among their ancestral registration, 62, but they could not be located. Therefore, they were considered unclean and excluded. Notice it's important from the priesthood. Uh, you had to prove your identity to serve as a priest so they couldn't eat of the holy things and so forth. But they could try to find those records. Hopefully, they had not been destroyed. But they couldn't serve in the priesthood because they couldn't prove their ancestry now, they went up, of course, with the whole group, and the governor said to them that they should not eat from the most holy things until a priest stood up with the mysterious Urim and Thummim. You say, what's that? Well, that was in the priestly garments, and it was something by which, in the ancient times, they found out the will of God. We don't know exactly how it works, but it doesn't really matter, because right now we find out the will of God predominantly by the Word of God, right? We have 66 books in our Bible. Most of the things that we're wondering about are in this book. And when we don't know for sure, then we pray, we seek godly counsel, we listen to the still, small voice of the Lord. Those are a number of ways in which He leads us outside of God's Word, which is the primary. And so somehow the priest, I believe here, could confirm their identity through a revelation from the Lord and the Urim and the Thummim, I just have a note here that I wanted to share with you. Um, and this is from colleges that were founded in the U.S. that trained ministers. The motto of Harvard University was truth for Christ uh, in the original insignia of Harvard, uh, established as Christ and the church being the motto to train ministers. Yale, founded in 1701. Uh, it says, if you have gathered this much wisdom, then it is probably does not escape you that our school motto, Yale, is the Urim and the Thummim, which is Hebrew, Lux et Veritas, which in turn is just Latin for light and truth, emblazoned in the Yale seal in these two ancient languages. And Princeton, founded in 1746, under the motto, under the protection of God, she flourishes. You can see that our history, capital buildings, ancient universities, grounded and founded in the Bible and in Christ, how far we have fallen. Don't you think it's time to come home, America? Don't you think it's time to come home, liberal church? Don't you think it's time to come home to who we truly are? Do you think that God, in using this time, might be saying to many of us, oh, that you would come to your senses, oh, captive heart, and come home? Well, we'd like to invite you to our special 633 called Why Does God Allow Evil with Dr. Clay Jones. Man, the content is amazing things that we really need to hear about, how we put our suffering in perspective. What does the Bible say about this? How do we work through 
the problem of evil. Why does God allow evil? What happened to this planet? So many intriguing questions that we all need to know. Every worldview needs to wrestle with the problem of evil. Special 633 event called Why Does God Allow Evil with Dr. Clay Jones. I know you're going to be blessed by the content. It's happening on June the 14th. You can find out information when you go to walkintruth.com. This will live stream on our YouTube channel, so make sure you click on the church tab and subscribe to the YouTube channel, walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, 633, June the 14th. Why does God allow evil? We'll see you there. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. You can see that our history, Capitol buildings, ancient universities, grounded and founded in the Bible and in Christ, how far we have fallen. Don't you think it's time to come home, America? Don't you think it's time to come home, liberal church? Don't you think it's time to come home to who we truly are? Do you think that God, in using this time, might be saying to many of us, oh, that you would come to your senses, oh, captive heart, and come home? Now, the whole assembly, 64 of the group, numbered 42,360. Besides their male and female servants, who numbered 7,337, and they had 200 singing men and women. You'll find a similar list in Nehemiah 7. There's uh, slight variations in names and numbers. Uh, there, There are different reasons for this, and I won't get into them right now, but Suffice it to say, when you total up the number listed here, it's only 29,818 people. Where do we get the bigger number? Totaling 49,897 at the end of 65. Well, I think scholars would probably say that women were not counted largely except for the singers here. Maybe women and children, that's something to wrestle with. You have horses, camels, Speaks of some affluence. Some people had done well in Babylon in 66 and 67. Some of the house, heads of the father's households when they arrived at the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, offered willingly for the house of God. When they got back, they made an offering before they got back to anything to restore the foundation of the temple. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and it'll add all these other things to you. They got off track later and they had to be called back to account. But they started off well. According to their ability, reminds me of 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Each one should set aside in keeping with his own income, something to give. <coughs> Excuse me. They gave to the treasury for the work. 61,000 gold drachmas, 5,000 silver minas, 100 priestly garments. The people came back. They had gone back to rebuild. And so they came back and they put their offering where their 
where their mouth was. Now the priests and the Levites, some of the people, the singers, the gatekeepers and the temple servants, lived in their cities. They went home and all in their cities. There they are. Verse 70, and they've returned to the land. Much to do. But I'm sure that they took some time just to thank God and be grateful that they had been called home. On May 19th, 2020, yesterday, the great apologist Ravi Zacharias went home to be with the Lord, speaking of going home. His daughter wrote, On January 4th, my dad recited a stanza from the hymn of the late Richard Baxter. He quoted the following words, did Ravi. Lord, it belongs not to my care whether I die or live. To love and serve thee is my share, and this thy grace must give. If life be long, I will be glad that I may long obey. If, if short yet, why should I be sad to welcome endless day? Christ leads me through no darker rooms than he went through before. He that unto God's kingdom comes must enter by this door. Come, Lord, when grace hath made me meet thy blessed face to see. For if thy work on earth be sweet, what will thy glory be? Then I shall end my sad complaints and weary sinful days and join with the triumphant saints that sing my Savior's praise. My knowledge of that life is small. The eye of faith is dim. But tis enough that Christ knows all and I shall be with him. We've had the privilege for the last couple of years to be on KKLA at 7 a.m. in the morning when many people are getting ready to church or listening for some of their church. And we're on at 7 a.m. and what follows us is Ravi Zacharias. And I can think of many mornings getting ready to preach, getting ready to come here and, and hearing the voice of Ravi Zacharias quoting a famous poem or a well-known song and defending the faith like few people have ever done. None of us, his, his daughter writes, and I'm closing with this, could have imagined just two months after reciting that last stanza that my dad would learn that he had cancer and would experience the realization of this more than 300-year-old hymn so soon. Today, she writes, we affirm as my dad recited and Baxter penned, but tis enough that Christ knows all and I shall be with him. My dad at 74 has joined with the triumphant saints that sing his Savior's praise. Who knew and loved him celebrate his life? We who knew him love and celebrate his life and more importantly, his Savior. It was his Savior, Jesus Christ, that my dad always wanted most to talk about. Even in his final days, until he lacked the energy and breath to speak, he turned every conversation to Jesus, what the Lord had done. He perpetually marveled that God took a 17-year-old skeptic, defeated in hopelessness and unbelief, and called him into a life of glorious hope and belief in the truth of Scripture, a message he would carry across the globe for 48 years. His thoughts and conversations in recent years and in final weeks were saturated with gratitude for his team of evangelists, apologists, and staff that he called family. RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, he spoke of our evangelists' tender hearts and their love for people. 
Some have said my dad blazed a trail when he began commending the Christian faith and addressing life's greatest questions of meaning nearly five decades ago. As one friend dear to him remarked, he has also paved that path, desiring that his teammates around the world would continue uh, so untold millions might know the same Jesus he faithfully served, the one he now sees face to face. She says, My dad's humility, grace, tenderness for people, and above all, love for the Lord are forever imprinted on my mind, my heart, and my life. His love for our family will be impossible to replace until we join him one day. Ravi and Margie just celebrated their 48th wedding anniversary. My mother was entirely committed to my dad's calling and to the ministry believing God had called them together. I cannot recall even one moment when I saw her commitment to this calling weaken because she always placed unwavering trust in the God who called them and in his purposes. We experienced God's kindness and faithfulness in so many ways and as we felt him journeying with us, bringing my dad home. For this, we are at peace and filled with deep gratitude to God for the innumerable expressions of his love. Naomi, Nathan, and I are deeply grateful for your continuing prayers for our mother, Margie, and the many expressions of love that you have shown to her and to us. Soon, our family will gather for a graveside service. In the days ahead, we will provide details for a memorial service to be held in Atlanta and streamed around the world. The Gospel of John records these words of Jesus. Because I live, you will live also. Seven words that changed the tra trajectory of Ravi Zacharias's life some 57 years ago. It's a verse etched on his grandmother's gravestone and will be etched on his too. Today, my beautiful father is more alive than he has ever been. And we thank God for him and recommit our lives to sharing this truth with all who will hear until he calls us to our eternal home. You've been listening to Going Home, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ezra, Chapter 2. Remember, you can watch the video of this message on walkintruth.com. Hey, we have a free 633 event this Sunday with guest speaker Dr. Clay Jones. Dr. Jones will be helping you answer the question you may have heard someone ask, or maybe they've asked you, why does God allow evil? Now, this free event has limited space because of social distancing regulations. So if you'd like to come, we have a registration form. It's first come, first serve, so please register today. Visit walkintruth.com. And if you're not in Southern California this weekend, don't worry. You can still watch the live stream of this Sunday's event. So make sure you're subscribed to our Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Visit walkintruth.com and click on church. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, as we think about going home, you know, home is such a beautiful thought for most of us because home is a place of comfort and refuge and safety. And home is actually a, a word that's used for heaven in the Bible. To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. We were thinking about Ravi Zacharias as we came to the conclusion of this particular sermon, because Ravi uh, has gone home and he's impacted many lives. 
for the gospel, spoken in many incredible venues, had many amazing opportunities, and gave a defense for the hope that he had, that he uh, he met the Savior when he was a teenager and suicidal. And uh, the Lord called him to himself, now has called Ravi home. But I know that Ravi has touched many lives, maybe yours as well, and he's been a, a voice in defense of the gospel of elegance and grace and truth. Uh, he's been a voice of boldness and compassion. And uh, I pray that the Lord will raise up many others uh, like him, uh, that we can give a reason for the hope that we have with this hopefully similar winsomeness and compassion and love and truth. And so um, we're going home, brethren. One day we're going to be at home with the Lord. Until that day comes, let, let us call as many home as we can. Um, let us share the good news of the gospel because uh, this, is, this is really what matters, the hope of Jesus and the hope that we'll be with him forever. We'll make everything else pale in comparison. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael. We'll catch you next time on the broadcast. We pray that you are well. We thank you for listening. God bless you. Oh, and one more thing. Hey, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation would really help. So if you can, please donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for a special program. Pastor Michael will have a conversation with guest Dr. Clay Jones about the problem of evil and why God allows it. Dr. Jones is also our guest speaker for our live stream 633 event this Sunday evening. So don't miss the program tomorrow on this station or your favorite podcast app. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.